This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. feels okay again now. I felt <laughs> awful this morning. You oh, drink oh. fair play to you, mate. That was good. Tip, was of nice. the, tip of the hat. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. To be in a pub with your mates. Just a laugh, wasn't it? And having a proper nice drink yeah. after a game of football was like, come on. It was just weird but nice. I've just been, by the way, before he gets on, this is perfect. Oh, go on. Yeah. Because Josh Whittaker asked me to go and say a few bits on Quickly Kevin this morning. Oh, okay, cool. Like Quickly Kevin. Uh, good pod. Yeah. Yeah, good pod. And I'll, more importantly, i I got a chance to have a go at Ellis. Did you? So yeah. Well, go on. Well, one of the exact the exact request from Josh was, uh, which was music to my ears. Yeah. Um, was it? Was it gone? Hi, mate. Here's a question. You aren't free to do five minutes on the phone today at eleven thirty. Are you for quickly, Kevin, to discuss Wales and more importantly the unavoidability in this tournament of Ellis James? <laughs> so I said, mate, if it takes a piss out of Ellis, I'll make myself. I am it. in the unavoidability. <laughs> After they claimed last week that he monetized being a Welsh fan, which I thought was a good line. Part of my joy at Wales going through is that Ellis is gainfully employed for another week at least. Oh yeah, by the Guardian, the BBC. Well, I've listened to. If I were not listen to quickly, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, you you will um, you'll hear my thoughts on, mm. on the whole thing. Bit of cross pollination. Well, I know. I, I like. I like. I don't know Josh at all. I think I'm the one in this gang who doesn't know Josh. Well, he's a nice boy. They, I like that one, and I like his parenting one as well. Not the don't don't listen to that because that's got shit loads of listeners. That's, yeah, that's up there with Crouchy, but it is very. And they've just they just cashed in on that. And any any prick can do it. You know, lockdown parenting. They must have just gone. Okay, what's going to sell? I'll give you go. Go on. You know, well, obviously, people are sat at their own with their kids. Yeah. You know, actually, Google search lockdown parenting. Yeah. You'll find their podcast. <laughs> money grabbing bastards, a pair of them. Yeah, we 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 do work on one that we called socially distant <laughs> at exactly the time when yeah, that was. <laughs> to be fair, if you wanted to, if you wanted to be in a sports bar, yeah, you're in the, you're in the wrong place. That's so, a, yeah, that's a very good point. And just bloody Rob and Josh have a word of yourself. <laughs> I think they're like super dads as well. The average dads. <laughs> the average. Oh, the average. <laughs> well, are they great dads? Do you have a league table of dads? Yeah, I'm yeah. top. Yeah, your dad. And John, you. No, you I, to be fair, mate, I was saying that I, I mentioned to you in the pub yesterday, but you were shit faced. You probably can't remember. I don't remember. Um, I said I was complaining to Kelly the other day. I've been so busy lately. Yeah. I said, what well, I can't get over. I said, the pod takes a long time to record. Oh, no, you did. I do it. remember this. We've got to watch all the docs, got to watch all the clips, got to read the books. Yeah. I love doing it. It's brilliant. It's not, it's not, not a hardship, but it is time consuming. I said, yeah. <clears throat> and I'm talking to Reese, the producer, because I'm doing this new pod with Reese and Eggsy yeah called Demon Seed I'll plug it I'll plug it again later good but but he says a rule of thumb when he's editing is that it takes about three times as long as you record for so you record for an hour it takes a three hour edit right probably Roughly. so I thought if we're doing like five or six hours yeah. Steph's like got a 15 16 hour edit after this right? yeah and then I thought 
Yeah, but then I justified it to myself by saying, yes, but the difference is I take my kids to rugby league. I take I take Ben to rugby union. I coach his rugby union. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, hang on a minute, because I, I know that Steph takes the kids to football, rugby union, and rugby league. So I see him there. So Bit he's, of cricket. He's, do, he's doing all that as well. <laughs> and then saliently, yeah. Steph's got a full-time job. Oh, yeah. That, that was the real thing. That's the kicker, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Well, that's why we're not doing any editing on this one. This is... Oh, yeah, we, we should is, mention this. No, this is going to be start, <clears throat> finish, that's it, because yeah. we've both got to be somewhere. Um, yeah. Boys are playing rugby later on, so we've got to get there. This is a three-hour... What you hear is... Do you remember those live EastEnders? Yeah, yeah, yes. Right, this is one of those. But without Adam Woodyatt forgetting his lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hello, <laughs> here he is. Here Speaking he is. of Adam Woodyatt. Adam Woodyatt. He's here. a thinking man's Adam Woodyatt. Ellis James. Thinking man's Adam Woodyatt. We're just saying we're going to rattle through this in, in live uh, live format, like the old live EastEnders episodes. Well, I'm I'm now doing live television, which I've never Mate, which I've never done before. There's, there's no television you're not doing at the moment. I don't know if you watched last night, but I did didn't you watch see, last uh, night. No. Well, what was on, mate? I don't know. you watched the last five seconds where I am counted out, and it's nanoseconds. Yeah. Wallop, join us tomorrow night. Bang! Did credits. Nailed it. Did you oh, use the Guerrero yeah. count backwards bit? Did you did, use that? Did, uh, I didn't actually. Oh, I couldn't even, you couldn't even give him a morsel of a plate. Not a scrap <laughs> of recognition. Not even. No. Actually, it was all down to no, me. It was actually because I'm brilliant. <laughs> I trusted my instincts. I hope you <laughs> fuck it up to <laughs> next game. <laughs> News next time. <laughs> <laughs> we do plenty of that on the radio. Yeah. What happened to the power pack? <laughs> Got my first uh, radio live radio on Saturday. Have you? Show. Excellent. Two till five, BBC Radio Wales. Can't beat the 70s. How much uh, input have you got into music? All of it. Oh, lovely. Oh, you wait. There's album tracks and B-sides and all sorts of stuff. Oh, they'll be tuning out in their droves. Yeah. I've already said forget Super Tramp. They're not happening. (laughs) There'll be no Super Tramp on my watch. There'll be no Van Morrison on my watch. By the way, Mm -hmm. elephants in the room. Yes. What a game yesterday. So this is, this is Thursday... Oh, my Lord. The Wales game was last night. I haven't enjoyed a performance that much since the Russia game, I think. If Bale had scored the penalty last night, yes, mm. it would have been, like the Russia game, Bale, Ramsey and a Swansea City fullback scoring because it was Neil yeah, Taylor who scored, of course, against Russia. Oh, I like that. We were excellent. And this team Weren't we just? has threatened one of these performances for a while now. And every Should have been three and a half click. time. Should have been three yeah. and a half time. Yes. That was crazy. I mean, the person I will come on to the person I really, really want to discuss. But <laughs> I just love this team, man. <laughs> I just, just love. I love them. You'll probably every, have seen the huddle. Oh, have you seen the post-match? Huddle? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's but they get them yeah. all in the middle, and Bale just puts his arms in the air and goes, "Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> so good. I know. You're the captain of Wales. You've just had a hell of a good performance, but your first thing. Every interview with Sorry the boys, guys. and and Rob after the after the game, I just thought, my God, you're just covering yourselves in glory all the time. The, the way they talk about it, the way they talk about each other, the camaraderie of this patently obviously there. Ramsey and Gunter have been best mates since they were teenagers. Yeah. Since they were both at Cardiff, and they are tight, and they always room together. And this was there was a long article about Wales in the Athletic. I think it might have been prior to the England game in Lons at Euro 2016, mm-hmm. where they were given single rooms, I think. And Gunter and Rambo thought, no, 
No, no. So, and they got hold of a camp bed from somewhere. Yes. And so they could room together the night before the England game. Love it. And Gunter obviously is isn't involved in the same way Aaron is. He was, you know, he played every second of Euro 2016, and I think he'll understand. He's he's not a first choice full back anymore, but he's part of the 23. At the end, do you see Ramsey yeah, run straight, straight to him? Straight to him. As soon as oh. he scored the goal, he, cha- he changes direction, doesn't he? Yeah, so yeah. He's running away to the right, and then he just flips around start crying again and runs straight <laughs> to Gunter. And Gunter, he's, he's not playing, and that you, you could imagine if you weren't... A, we were talking about squad players last week, weren't we? Yeah. And sort of why you take these people with you. If you weren't a squad player, and if that squad wasn't a great squad to be in, you'd probably be a bit pissed off that you're not starting yeah. anymore. And you'd be sad. But he's not even got his shirt on. He's wearing his training no. top. Yeah, yeah. So he knows he's not coming on either. But he's just there with a hug and smiling. But then, oh. towards the end of the game, and it's, it's you know, 1-0 is always, it's always squeaky bum time, isn't it? To get that penalty, yes. bail to step up, and him to miss. It, it spoke volumes about the team, right? He missed that, and he proper bowed it over the crossbar, right? And I thought, here we go. He came straight back, almost scored immediately afterwards. Yeah, right? yeah. The team were, were around him straight away. Yeah. And those two corners at the end, oh, everyone was oh, screaming, just keeping keep the keep corner, keeping keep tight. He tried it on the first time, and then we get <laughs> another corner, and then he tried it on the second time, and we scored. I was like, my God, this is... You can't do that unless all your, all your mates, unless you all back each other. Yes. Well, Ledley and Dave Edwards both said on the show last night, I think they said this on the show and not off camera, but they both said, Paige would have been screaming at Bale. With 30 seconds to go, you don't yeah. try that. No. It's, right. it's, 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 it was reminiscent of Vaux's... Header, the third goal against yes. Belgium in 2016, where Coleman, you can see him, shouts, don't cross that fucking ball, Christopher. Because that's not what you do with three minutes to go when you're two on up. It's game management. <laughs> and Gunter ignored him, and Bale ignored him. I mean, I, I will talk about Alan Ramsey in my first clip, but what everyone who's ever played with him, and I've interviewed quite a few people now who've played with him, and I was talking to Joel Ledley and Dave Edwards last night, He's very, very brave. He's a creative, attacking player who's a difference maker. He makes things happen. And when he tries something that doesn't come off, yeah. he tries it again. Yeah. He never, ever goes missing. He doesn't let failure affect his performance. And what Ledley said was people think the brave is going in for big crunching tackles, getting walloped by some big centre-half you know, in, in, when there's a corner or something. Yeah. No, being brave is trusting your own decision-making. Well, of course it is, yeah. Especially when potentially you looking up. stupid. Yeah. And like, potentially cocking up. Yeah. When you look at... I'm, I'm not going to... This, this is not the time or the place, but when we talked about uh, why we don't put wrestling on, on, this, on this pod, right? Yeah. It was so unscripted yesterday. You know, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And you, look, and you look at the best, the best teams and the best performers. Like you said, Rob would have, would have had a game plan, guarantee. Would have told him exactly what to do in that situation. But you've got to think. I, I back myself here. Yeah. I'm not. I, I don't just back myself here. I've missed a penalty, and I still back myself. And I know that all my mates back me as well. So I'm going to do this. Those boys, though, the way they look after each other, though, and the way they even like that, each they, other. Even that, and, and you know what it's like in football these days. With you know, you raise a finger and, you, and you, you're risking a yellow card and a red card, right? Yeah. When there was that little bit of a scuffle, and he just yeah, yeah. tapped his chin condescendingly, yeah, bang straight away, no messing about. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like a bench clearing brawl, but it was like no, no, mate. It was pretty good, though. yeah, yeah. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I loved that. And that was good refereeing too. Yeah, I gotta say, it'd been quite easy well to give someone a card there. What a thoroughly brilliant bunch of blokes. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about Ramsey and Gunter. Is in terms of their career, mm. you know, their careers have been very different, and I'm 
not disrespecting Chris, who is probably my top five footballers of all time, actually. One of the because nicest of people what, I've ever oh, met in my, my job. God. Like, just texted me to thank me after I interviewed him. Yeah, yeah. He now, he he's, me complete, he's completely misunderstood the status dynamic there. I mean, he's at, he's at Charlton now, isn't he? Yeah. So he's at Charlton and Rambo's at Juve, but they are best mates. And who was it who Rambo wanted to see when he scored the goal? Gunter. Ooh. And he's just like, fucking hell, I mean... i got complete respect for Chris, because he went to Spurs from yes. Cardiff. The same time that Aaron went to, well, just before actually, before Aaron went to Arsenal from Cardiff. Well, they were they were flatmates, weren't they, in yeah. London? Those yeah. Two. And for it not to work out for him in the very top flight to go to Forest and then sort of go to Reading, have yeah. that sort of career journey, I think that's that's probably in a way a more difficult journey than always being at top level clubs. I know that Aaron's had to battle back from very different things with his broken leg and fighting through that sort of stuff. If people thought last week's was too Welsh, yes, this is unapologetically Welsh at the beginning. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I just the FAW their their social media stuff is brilliant. Them following the players as their sightseeing around Baku, you really get to see, you know, behind the curtain. And I I, I cannot speak highly enough actually of the FAW social media stuff. But they are—they just look like they're having the time of their lives. And the 2016 boys always say it was like a lad's holiday without booze. I interviewed Ashley Williams actually, and he's, I, I asked him. I said, "Is the, you know, is the the team spirit and the camaraderie the same?" And he said, "Not for me, no." But you know, as much again as I enormously respect Ashley, he was being edged out of that yeah. squad because he's getting on a bit now. He's retired, but certainly from what I see. And you know the the older boys do sit together, I think, and the younger boys do sit together. But they are they are tightly knit, and who knows how far we can go. And to be honest, my only real ambition for this tournament was for us to get out the groups because I thought we were in a very very tricky group. When Ramsey quipped that right after the game about the penalty as well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, can I have fans back now? And you've got to be. <laughs> well, he took the last one, didn't he, against yeah. Serbia, yeah. the Penenka? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. But from my untrained eye, I think, and Steph, I think we need to work on. Defending set pieces and corners a little bit more, maybe I don't know. I think. Yeah, we're also we're we're a short team apart from Kiefer and Joe yeah. Roden, mm. who are both giants. You know, Kiefer's six five, I think. So let's get them Joe Roden's players. Yeah, he isn't. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> he isn't much off that. <laughs> but yeah, Connor five for eight, marking that giant. Joe, what you got? Joe Allen. Oh, you Joe Morel. You two said last week you hate short corners. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> hang on. Yeah, we did say El says, I, I was talking about crossing and the, and the old yeah, aesthetic yeah. of the of the of the, the old out and in. Ellis then said, I'd like to see a corner, chuck it in the mixer, right? Yeah. We haven't got any. We have, if we had like, if we had three six foot two, yeah, centre forwards, bang them in. Yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. Did I, did I, yeah, I did say that. Well, Gab said last night this team, because we're we're quite reliant on corner on crosses. Yeah. In quite an old fashioned way, when you especially when you play keeper up front. I said to Gabs, I said, that's sort of gone out of fashion, really, isn't it? Is that not a bit... We're bringing it back. Yeah, is that not a bit retrograde? And he said, mate, is, when you've got someone of key for size, it's very hard to defend against. Yeah. He's six foot five and he's absolutely brilliant in the When he got the highest winning percentage of any team in the Euros. <laughs> yeah. When you've won five out of eight games. Just do yeah. it your way, isn't it? 
There was a great bit. Mark Hughes, who looks amazing for 57, by the way. Yeah, if he had black hair, he'd look exactly the same as he oh, did in No difference. He's a, a freak of nature. Yeah, what, what he said, we're, you know, we're not minnows. We're not little whales. We're not plucky little whales. We are a really good football team. Yeah. And, and we keep being really good. So, we, yeah, I think what we'll know by the time this comes out. Won't well, we? this but is the thing, isn't it? If we lose to Italy in Rome, there's, there's, no, there's certainly no shame in that. Oh, God, no. But I think we might get a, I think we might steal a point down there. Italy haven't lost a competitive game in Rome since 1953. Good time to start. They haven't lost a competitive game at home since 1999. Now, but they've qualified. Surely they're going to take their foot off the gas a little bit. Mm-hmm. A nil-nil draw would, with no suspensions and with no bookings and injuries would do both teams an awful lot of good, wouldn't it? Gentleman's agreement. A gentleman's agreement. Surely we can. A little chat. You know, surely we can play a in Italian, third a, lot gear of, and... a lot of Italians in Wales. I mean, the south of those coast is like, you know, it's all Rossies and Rabiotis and Can we not, can we not play in third gear a little bit, maybe? Yes. I mean, the problem is that they are immense, Italy. So their second eleven would give most teams a game. When their mining industry collapsed, we were there for them yeah. 100 years ago. This is true. Yeah. yeah. You know, buying their ice cream and looking after them. So... <laughs> I mean, the amount of lasagna I've eaten over the years. Oh, good grief. <laughs> You've done my bit. I, 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 I live on Dolmio. I've pulled my weight. <laughs> your tagliatelles. Your farfales. <laughs> your cannellonis. You've got your raviolis. You've got your spaghettis. <laughs> your, your facilities. Your insulate tricolores. <laughs> got your pestos. The fact is... I always have a margarita. I, always. I, always. <laughs> if they, I, had, I had one last night. That's not a joke. That's, that's true. I had one in my hotel room. I had a margarita. Parma ham? No, no, but I, I would best eat ham. it. It's the best. It's the best. This is the best one out of the hams. <laughs> I like their coffee. Oh, they do nice coffee. Lavazza. Lavazza, you got, mate. Oh, oh, mate. Hello. Hello. You see, Gafredo. Oh, God. I used to love the old Dolmio advert. Uh, which was great because the the bloke Mr. Domio looked like my dad in the animation, but <laughs> it was obviously <laughs> it might have been pre EU. It was like a crossover between no one cared what everything came from. Then it be, then we became part of the EU, and it, as long as it was EU, it was fine. Yeah, but there was a little bit in the middle where you had to sort of explain where things came from. The end of the Domio advert in the sort of eighties and early nineties was uh, no, no, it was. Ragu. Ragu, ragu brings the Italian out in you. Ragu, ragu, ragu brings the Italian out in you. Made in Belgium. <laughs> yeah. And there was... Uh, Small print, made in Belgium. Very, right. very similar to that. Gino Ginelli, made in Leicester. <laughs> yeah. I like the Italians, oh. and I think they like us. Yeah. It's my favourite part of the world, Italy. I've, t- I've, said, I've, I've said this before, I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. So I think a little... I'm not trying to curry favour with uh, their, back, their back three. Yeah, I'm not going to try curry flavour, I'm going to pasta flavour. Oh, oh, this yes. is why you're on telly, I'm in my garage. <laughs> I, a gentleman's agreement, nil-nil, where we don't get any bookings yeah. or injuries would suit us all down oh. to the ground. There was the Spain-Malta game, famously, wasn't there, qualifying for Euro 84. Right. Spain needed to beat Malta by a margin of 11 or more goals to qualify. Sure. And they'd only scored 12 goals in their previous seven matches. And they ended up beating Malta 12 1. In fact, it's 12 1, not 11 1. We'll yeah. give you a goal. We'll give you a goal. Yeah, you just scored one. Well, we beat Italy in Brescia in 1988. Okay. 
We beat them in Cardiff in 2002, but other yeah. than that, our record against them isn't great. Well, they're an extremely good but football they're team. They're an extremely good football team, yeah. To be fair. Imagine if they'd been... I think we'd sold six or 7,000 tickets for Baku prior to the pandemic. Imagine if they'd been... I was supposed to be going to Rome. I hadn't even thought... Because so, I wasn't yeah. going to Baku. I hadn't actually I thought about this. I had right? tickets for Rome as well. I'm so tempted. Look, I was so tempted last night to take a flight to just be in Rome. Yeah. Well, I've got a ticket. I, I didn't get a refund, so... You could have my ticket if you are going. I don't think I could do it, but if you fancy it. With Amsterdam, if we become second in the group, my mates all, all in, immediately booked for Amsterdam. Because if we come second in the group, then that's where we're playing. But having looked at the restrictions as they are now, they've just made us a red country. Have they? So oh, I okay. think you would have to go on Monday, which is the day before this is and self-isolate an hotel for five days before going to the game on the Saturday, I think. So yeah. that's certainly how, as I, how I understand the rules so at the moment. So if you are listening to this, you've got to leave yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pack the DeLorean. Can you imagine the trip Amsterdam oh. for the last 16? God, the state and our fans. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I prefer Rome, though. I prefer Rome as a city to Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, I'd have loved to have gone to Rome. That would have, yeah. that would have been the Bordeaux. I think we'd have taken... Bordeaux was the big win last time. I think we'd have taken 30,000 to Rome. That's what we took to Bordeaux. 30,000. Oh, it was clean off. Absolutely clean off. Absolutely clean off. Bloody absolutely clean off, boys. Yeah, so I had a weird day. Someone said it was like living on Stanley Street in Wales, which it is to a certain extent. Yeah. I did Hawksby and Jacobs in the afternoon, which is nice, because I like those two. Yeah. Okay. But I talking to Steph. So down there was Enzo Macronelli was there as well. And then as I'm doing the interview, tap on the shoulder, bloke pulled his mask off, it was Johnny Owen, um, who I just described on air, I think, as the finest sports documentary maker on the planet. Uh, it's good timing. Um, so Johnny was there with Neville Southall. So I went over and I chat with Johnny and Neville Southall. Oh, that's amazing. Walked walk back home from town. Beautiful day in Cardiff yesterday. Beautiful yeah. day. Uh, saw Tom Shanklin. I quick ch- chat with ex-Wales player Tom Shanklin. Then I walked through the arcade, bought the bottle of whiskey that I paid for on the way in. Okay. Bought a lovely bottle of Penderin Madeira cask whiskey, wicked whiskey. Lovely. If Wales win, I'm having one of those tonight. No. Took that home, had a nice day with, with, the, with, with the, the kids because they were off school for the day. Yeah. Went to the splash pad, did all that stuff, came home, watched the football. Wales won and played amazingly. And then there was a space left in your table you booked, Steph. Yeah, yeah, in the pub. Walked up to the local pub, met you. Oh, on the way there, I met Mark from Catatonia, the look who was the guitarist, oh, the <laughs> guitarist and writer of Catatonia, Mark, yeah, who yeah. was, he'd had a few as well, watching the game. Yeah. Met you in the pub, we had a great time in the pub, came home, drank some Pendarian whiskey, Yeah. went to bed with a big, big old smile on my face. Big oh. grin. That's it a day, isn't it? That's it a does, day. It doesn't get much better than that, though, does it? Oh, in all, in all honesty. <laughs> that, that is as good as it gets. And then this morning... I was bathing in the glow of it, took the kids to school, came yeah. home. Yeah. Little WhatsApp message from Josh Whittacombe. Could I basically come in and do a hatchet job on his podcast on Alice James? Yes, it was please. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> so 11.30 this morning, you know, took the piss out of Alice. <laughs> and now here I am. I mean, oh, what, what a great day. That is, yeah, that's a dream two days. <laughs> he, he, I think he said on Quickly Kevin, which I've been unable to go on, I could tell you what he said. Uh, <laughs> he said on 
<laughs> he said that, like he has taken being a, he's monetized being monetized. a Wales fan, <laughs> being a Wales fan to levels previously thought unthinkable. <laughs> well, I was I was ruminating. That, I was asking the question: Was there even football before Alice James? I don't remember a Wales football before. So. I don't think some of those caps don't count. The, the pre Ellis yeah. era, yeah, as it which is as it's referred to. Some used to, some people call it the, the Jean Toshak era, but it's actually known as the pre Ellis James. <laughs> Do you know what though? He, he had the he had the audacity, Josh Whitaker. Yeah. To uh, have a go at Alpha being ubiquitous at the moment, all over all over our TVs and radios and pods. Right? Yeah, I was going to say said, the one person who can't throw those stones. I said, he, I said he's an old, what I can only describe as, as an, an early Josh Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> I said because I remember seeing you in a silver spandex jumpsuit jumping through a hole in the wall. So <laughs> you're on very thin ice. Hi, my name is Josh Whitaker, and I'll do anything. <laughs> I expect to see Josh like necking some old bird on the tube, <laughs> <laughs> drinking a pint of piss for a bet. What are you doing, Josh? <laughs> that was horrific. That bit of that show. Oh, remember that? You used to get, like a. When I say the sandwich. tube, I mean the TV. I, I don't yeah, think yeah. it was the London Underground necking up. Necking <laughs> oh right, you see, that's what I thought you meant. I was like, no, okay, the fine, yeah, tube. be a bit weird, but be uh... a bit odd, odd choice. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to make a pension on the tube, you <laughs> crack on. I mean, so long as they're your pensioner. Yeah. Obviously, there's got to be consent. On, bit, bit consent. Yeah. 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 Don't force yourself upon them with the fist. But, you know, if they're up for it and you're up for it, why not? Happy days. Love is love, isn't it? It is. Even if it's between two tube stops. <laughs> Earl's Court and Oxford Street. Boom. Boom. I love you. Bye. Like brief encounter for, for, for the modern day. <laughs> Drop them down your eyes and blow in your nose. Josh Whittacombe, Josh Whittacombe <laughs> necking an old lady on the tube. <laughs> For Channel 4. What? That's probably mm. the sportiest and Welshest intro we've ever done. Well, good. If you're going to do it then, when are you going to do it? No, I think that's great. Main, yeah, maybe to stick it up to people who said we were too sporty and too Welsh last week. Well, it's one person, to be fair. He said, oh, is it just me? And it looked like it was just him, so... <laughs> And I wouldn't mind it if the Dong didn't have a podcast of his own. Called Irish Rugby. That appears to be just about Irish, or a, a small part of Irish Rugby as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking clown. Fuck all about the dragons on this, mate. <laughs> Come on. Have a word with yourself, mate. Uh, <laughs> clown. Although he's a patron still. Oh, happy. You're, you're our clown. That's fine. Oh, you know, yeah, join the circus. Lovely. <laughs> join our happy circus. <laughs> So, have we explained that they're getting this unedited virtually? This is a basically there are going because we've got stuff to get to, and because Ellis is ubiquitous, we have a small gap. Al's got to go. He's presenting the Oscars in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Day program this morning. (laughs) Oscars tonight. The wafters. And then he's been invested as the Prince of Wales in in Killian. So So we've cut. Yeah, we've basically got a small gap in our our week where we can do it this week. So rather than not do one, we're doing one. But normally we record for anything up to five hours. Plus sometimes. Sometimes. The last couple of even more because we were doing two parts, remember? Sometimes all Mike does is the school run either end of the podcast. So he'll start his day with a school run, do the podcast. And then he just has time to pick up the kids. And the last two are going to come back after the pod, after the yeah, school run to do finish some up. More. This is not going to be a five-hour edit because we haven't got time to record for five hours this week. This yeah. is a three-hour up, so the show will pressure's be pressure's on as long as it is. If there is no book at the end, you know what happened. 
great, great because it's, it's your choice. It's my one. book, so that that suits me down <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> right, first round of clips. Then um, Mike should go first on this one, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Which I think you, you I think you've got it, haven't you? You've, you've got, got to go. You've got to go for yeah, the one that I think, the, the one that you think I think. I'm tempted to not give this one to the to the, to the freeloaders, but but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be nice to him for a couple of weeks. Okay, go on then. To show I'm I'm magnanimous. Yeah. uh, This is for the freeloaded version as well. Yeah. Um, This I'm assuming you're talking about the S4C. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Please God, (laughs) right? (laughs) It is impossible. I'm going to watch the clip while I'm doing this. Okay. Let's do Let's do a live talk through of it. If right, so I'll set it up. So it is um, an S4C interview with two. I'm assuming North Walesian football fans outside outside a, a football club in North Wales. Um, having an uh, interview in, in the Welsh language. I asked my son to translate, and he said that the, the, there was a... He used the word idiom when he's he describing it. Really? It like a th- three tries for a Welshman or something, or third time, oh, third yeah. time's a charm type of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll just play this on my phone. Um, Go on. Yeah, I've got a lot of lovely ideas. Okay, right. Sorry, so you've got to watch it, right? You can watch the clip. So they're doing these two, two Welsh football fans. Because of social distancing, there's like a two metre gap between them, right? Yeah. And in that gap is the clubhouse door and the steps down from the clubhouse door, right? So. I mean, both the blokes talking are pissed, <laughs> which no one references. No, and then the, in the middle the first of this guy talking is so drunk. Oh, he's yeah. off his tits. It's brilliant. And in the middle of the interview, a bloke comes out of the back. I assume for a smoke or something. Right? <laughs> Just falls down the stairs. <laughs> they don't miss a beat in the interview. And he thinks better of it. Walks back up the stairs, drags himself inside, at which point the whole club cheer. But also. Because he's pissed, oh, he man. falls in slow motion. He falls very slowly. <laughs> it's such a funny. He's clip. got time to check his watch. Is he? Uh, <laughs> oh. it's hilarious. You know when you drink and you go in, though, you can't stop it. It's just inevitable. And it well, looks that, like it's been wet yeah. as well, so the stairs look slippery. Oh, it's very, very funny. And the, 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 but the. There's no way the cameraman and the interviewer don't see that. <laughs> the cameraman must be wetting And they himself. don't miss a beat. They don't miss a beat. But it's obviously on in the pub as well, so which makes good. it so much better. Oh, than you can't even think yeah. of that. So that cheer then... Of course it is. ...is hit. I think he's going back in with the delay oh, of it being live. God. He's walking back in to everyone knowing what he's just done outside. Um, wrthyn ni symud ymlaen yn y Ben Camporef. Ham o'r bwysig ydy hi, bo ni'n manteisio ar heina bobtro. Mae'n bwysig iawn achos... Pan mewn chi'n warian yn y grŵp, i chi'n gael cyfri arall, ond pan mewn chi'r knockout, i chi ddim yn cael cyfri arall. So, also, because because um, <laughs> there are no fans, or very, very few fans, there were about 400 Wales fans out in Baku. Yeah. Um, if you compare this tournament to uh, 2016, there are so many iconic moments, certainly iconic in the Welsh media now, of supporters in the stands. There was obviously the Gunter Chin-up moment. There's yeah. that bloke, uh, Jamie, crying, who David Owens found for an article. 
who well. still gets people coming up to him in the street and going, you're the bloke who cried when we lost to England. And th- there's so many of these. And obviously, because we can't go to the matches, because from what I understand, it'd be almost impossible to get to Amsterdam for the last 16. If we topped the group at Wembley, so that'll be different. But you know what I mean? There, there, there are all these obstacles being put in place. The iconic moments are going to look very different. And this will be the one, I think. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> this is absolutely now. Oh, this sort of... The thing that people will remember it. Even, even if we win the Euros, yeah. the second clip that will come to mind will be this. Yeah. yeah Gareth yeah, yeah. lifting the trophy yeah. and this. I really want to go on a road trip to that club and uh, buy that blogger point. Not that it needs it. It's so good. I saw that this morning and I thought straight away, because we, we do our put our list together or we go to an event don't we yeah yeah I just went right that's in I'm having straight it. away straight away and I said to you Steph yeah. I said just give me a heads up because sometimes we, we log in and one of us has changed a clip we don't know I've, I've, I put an S4C clip and he went I'm just going to put that I was just myself. about to choose it because yeah it just that you know it's a good night that isn't it and also you've had a good well, night in yeah. the past often now this stuff more and more gets captured on people's camera phones Yes. And in the pre-camera phone age, you saw it, you laughed your head off. It was something you might remember 10, 20 years later. Yes. But you didn't have, you know, the the evidence as an artifact. Yeah. This wasn't captured on someone's phone. This was captured on the news, on the Welsh news. So it's in in HD. (laughs) As someone who who pays... I'd have been more proud to be Welsh. As (laughs) (laughs) As someone who pays... Part of his mortgage by fronting Channel Five Star's greatest ever movie blunders. <laughs> this is better than any of the movie blunders we've had on that show, oh, yeah. and that program is routinely four hours long. <laughs> I, I, I'm not condoning getting so drunk you fall over. Obviously, there's the, oh, you know, the, there's, there's issues with make all. your own choice. Yeah, you know, but you're an adult. Yeah, choose what you want to do, right? Yeah, because if you don't think this is funny. Even if you're teetotal, you can find this hilarious. Oh, Christ. Oh. He cuddles the stairs. He you does. That? Have you seen that bloke, that clip on the, on, uh, of the fella on the underground camera in London wearing a suit coming back down like three flights of stairs from the tube? And he falls over three times on the same. It's just hilarious. <laughs> and, it, uh, and in the end, he sort of hugs the barrier and then goes, goes over, goes arse over tip. And lands on like the back of his head, and then gets up, straightens his tie, and walks off, which I, I love it. But my mate Nicky, I used to call him Rubber Nick sometimes because he he would fall over, and he just thought you must have broken something. Yeah, you can't you can't get back up from that like that. We were at a party once in Calgary. He's a Welsh boy. And he was with his I was with his girlfriend at the time. And we sat down. Where it's a garden party going on and a bit of a barbecue. And he drank an awful lot of beer, right? Yeah. Cider. He drinks. So I was I was with his. Uh, girlfriend in the garden people everywhere and we see Nick come out of the back of the kitchen holding two bottles of cider right and there's about 16 steps down from the deck to the back garden and he's swaying all over the place right now at no point being a bloke that I think I'll go and help my best mate down there absolutely not and his girlfriend went shit look at Nicky I said oh yeah yeah she went watch this she says right that's what she said watch this and he fell down him, like like it looked like watching the fall guy, it was like a proper stunt. <laughs> you know? And he didn't drop either beer, oh, so that for, oh, uh, yeah. either either bottle of cider, he spilt a bit, obviously, yeah. gravity. So at the end of it, he sort of bounced back up, and then just walked over to us like nothing had happened. 
But this bloke is a bloody hero, this fella. Uh, I saw a picture of him on Twitter about half the an bloke. hour later. The bloke, yeah. Oh. Sat at the bar with a pint, big thumbs up. He's now <laughs> <Of course>. famous. <laughs> I was going to say, you'll never buy another pint, but um, it is North Wales, so... <laughs> Might have got the first one. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a free pint out of it. Yeah. If, only, if, yeah. if only one of us are so enamoured of the Welsh performance yesterday that we drank so much we fell over. That would be... That would, but that would never happen. That would never adults, happen because we're all we're grown professionals ups. professionals and we've got we're, kids. We're professional humans. You know what I mean? Your humans don't make that kind of mistake and fall no, backwards. When are you young and daft? You I, t- I texted one of my mates this morning and I said, oh, Bob's just reminded me that I fell over in the pub. <laughs> and he went, did you? <laughs> I can't think of what's worse to be so drunk that you fall over in the boat or to be so drunk that you don't notice someone well, on a small table falling over I saw Owen on, on the school run yeah. who's the bloke that we both do a bit of boxing with Yeah, and Owen was there last night as well Yeah, he said oh you spoke to Steph I said oh, I'll be doing the pod later he said oh god yeah good night yesterday wasn't it I said yeah I said uh, I said what I said, oh. you know, he said how was your head I said well hopefully Steph's head's okay after he fell over he went See? oh yeah I forgot about that <laughs> Because I was playing catch up, wasn't I? I oh, yeah. Late, you know. We've been out since before from... the game. So it yeah. was. Uh... We've been out since before time. <laughs> <laughs> since before beer. <laughs> you got there. They invented beer. They invented beer. Oh, I like this. This is good. Fair play to you, mate. But you were saying, because you, you're triathlon training. You haven't I, haven't, drunk, I haven't drunk. I've had five drinks this year. You made up for it, mate? Yeah, I'd, good grief. I'd, I packed in at least Marchworth. Good, good top yesterday. car loaded yesterday. Exactly. What's the worst you've fallen over? What you two? Oh, Any bad wipeouts? Loads. I, uh, loads. I fell on the tube and I sliced my bum up and I had to get Izzy to check my bum when I got home because it was wow. very wet and I was trying to run down an escalator because I was late for something yeah. and it was a proper proper Hanna Barbera cartoon fall where oh, they're great. They're both of, both of my feet were at oh. one stage higher than my waist. And I and I, I I landed on the edge of the <laughs> on the edge of one of the stairs, and uh, obviously the stairs are metal because it's uh, an escalator. It was at Oxford Circus um, a couple of days for Christmas, and as soon as I landed, I was winded through my bum cheeks, which is <laughs> such, such a bizarre feeling. And then as soon as I got my breath back. I thought, oh God, I think I've sliced my bum open. So I had to, I had to just style it out until Brixton. There's no greater feeling than actually, when you are actually both feet off the ground from a slide or a slip. I tried to kick a rugby ball over the posts with my kids during the first lockdown. They had their boots on and I didn't. It was a very, very slippery, muddy day. And I ran up to it and planted my standing foot. Yeah. My standing foot then skidded. Oh. A oh. very long distance. Like Darren Lockyer last week. Yeah, so as I try to kick the ball, I'm doing that at the same time as my left leg is going through the air, and both feet clean off the ground, and even when I was in mid-air, I thought, this is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. This must look amazing. It is great. Yeah. <laughs> Hope I don't snap my leg. Yeah, exactly, yeah. When you're, that, when you're so drunk that you're having like an out-of-body experience, mm. and you're looking at your own feet, trying mm. to walk in a straight line, laughing at yourself. Yes, I love that. Oh. I don't like it the next day. No. But at the time, it's just so funny. I struggle with curbs a lot when I'm drunk. And you swear at yourself a lot. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, Mike. Fuck I'm just walking in a straight line. Come you on. Pissed, idiot. You fucking idiot. <laughs> That's how, well, Nicky, the once we were in uh, Cardiff on a night out, it was snowing. Mm. And he had these brand new, very proud of his brand new Chelsea boots with leather soles, right? Yeah. So we went in Caroline Street to get some chips, right? And he couldn't get the money out of his pocket. So I got the money out of his pocket and we put, I paid the bloke and whatever. 
And I came outside, I thought there'd been a fight or a murder or something. There's a big crowd of people. Yeah. And in the middle of it, and it snowed, <laughs> Nicky looked like a snow angel, right? So he's completely star-shaped on the floor on his back, right? But there was a line of chips, like a spray <laughs> of chips from his hand. Like about, th- about three foot long, right? <laughs> so I got him up on his feet. And he must have fallen over. We, we walked up towards the castle, right? Which is at the top of... So you walk up St. Mary Street. He must have fallen over, I'm going to say, eight times, right? <laughs> and every time it was like... It was like a comedy fall. He would slip on the leather soles, go oh. airborne, horizontal, and land on his ass. <laughs> and we finally get to the castle. We're going to get a taxi up there. And he says, hang on a minute. Let me just get my bearings. He says like that, right? And there was a news agent there with a big glass window, right? So he leans against his glass window and goes, and then he just slid down it, sideways, <laughs> like in slow I couldn't stop himself. Oh, my God. Do you remember that amazing Irish one where there was a lot of snow in Dublin and they had the Irish news were out filming? Do you remember this? It's probably 15 oh, years ago now. And it was something like, the unseasonally, unseasonably cold snap has caused treacherous conditions in Dublin. And he slips and he bangs his head. You just hear him go, Jesus. <laughs> Tip of the hat to that fellow, anyway. Well done, that guy. If you know that guy, somebody somebody will know that guy. Somebody's got to know him on this. Of course they will. Of course they will. Somebody will know exactly who it is. We will buy him some Alka Seltzer. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Send you a resolve. We'll sign a resolve for you. (laughs) Exactly. Go on then, Al. What's your one for this round? This is Aaron Ramsey scoring a 30, maybe even further yard pile driver with his weaker foot against England in an under-21s playoff for the European Championships. And Ramsey has scored the first of them. That is a goal of immense quality and just the moment that Wales needed it. Aaron Ramsey from fully 30 yards has sent one past Joe Hart to put Wales back in the tie. Well, it was a wonderful strike from Ramsey, but they did have players in attack. Ball was flicked on. Good position from Vokes on the half volley. What a strike that is. Joe Hart had no chance. So there we go. So Aaron was a big part of that Wales under-21s team. Um, and that under-21s team, sort of uncharacteristically for Wales, topped their group in qualifying for the under-21s European Championships that happened later that year. Um, but because of the vagaries of qualifying for the under-21s, it didn't actually get them into the tournament, got them into the playoffs, where they ended up losing to England 5-4, I think. But yeah, was, um, yeah. Rambo was sublime at Villa Park. Oh, where to begin? I, I love Aaron Ramsey. I absolutely adore that man. And I am deeply, deeply sensitive to any criticism of Alan Ramsey okay okay big, big time and I think I, I, I thought a lot about this on the train the reason I think he means so much to Wales fans certainly Wales fans maybe are a bit older who've, who've done their background reading is that if you look at the kind of footballers we produced certainly post-war we're very very good at producing strikers old-fashioned centre-forwards poachers so you've got Trevor Ford who scored I think it was 202 goals in 401 league appearances, 23 goals for Wales in 38 caps, uh, who John Charles, we played with, described as his idol, you know, and was mm. the most expensive 
transfer fee in British history at the time, 30,000 quid he went for in the 50s. And then you've got John Charles, don't need to say anything about him. And then you've got John Toshak, and then you've got Ian Rush, of course, and Mark Hughes and Dean Saunders. And we've always been good at producing strikers. We've also been good at producing wingers. You've got Cliff Jones, uh, won the double Tottenham, probably the best winger in Europe at the time. Leighton James was a fabulous, fabulous player. I don't think Leighton gets the credit he deserves. Ryan Giggs, Gareth Bale, etc., etc. What we've been very bad at producing is Aaron, basically. The sort of number 10, the, the playmaker, the string puller, yeah. um, an attacking midfielder who's creative and who makes things happen. With Aaron, I mean, he, he's got to be a shoe-in, really, for an all-time Wales eleven. I think if it wasn't him, it would be Ivor Orchard, who did the same thing in the 50s for John Charles and Trevor Ford. So those two are our, you know, are, are the best Welsh examples. And the thing with Aaron and Gareth, because we are living in an Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale age, you know, I'm old enough now to have lived probably through three separate eras where we've had really, really good footballers. So it would be Russian Hughes in the 80s and early 90s, mm-hmm. Then the uh, Giggs, um, Hearts and Simon Davis, Craig Bellamy era in the early 2000s. And now, and to be on those, you know, the two previous eras I mentioned, we, we didn't qualify and yeah. couldn't quite make it work for whatever reason. And I just remember these boys coming through. So I think I would, I think it's fair to say you've probably got a better memory for this than me, Steph, because of your Go job on. at the time. I think we would. S- certainly equally as excited about Aaron as Gareth, if not more so, mainly because Gareth was oh, yeah. playing kind of out of position, really. He was playing as a sort of left wing back at, at one stage, wasn't he, when he was a youngster? And he went through quite a period at Spurs where it wasn't working as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when he was coming through, yeah, he was definitely, he was the wonder kid. Yeah. But Aaron playing for Cardiff coming through, being a, was he Caffilly? He is from Caffilly, from? yeah. That's called giving Caffilly yeah. he went to. But in terms, of, in terms of his attributes, you, I just remember when he came through, you thought, Christ, he's got it all. He yeah. has got it all, which is what Arsene Wenger said. He said he is the complete midfielder. Well, that shot he hits me, to, to, it looks like a straight shot first time you watch it. It looks like he just puts his laces through it. Yeah. But then from, from the reverse angle, from behind him, you see the shape on it that he put on it as well. Mm. To hit that top court. You, I know it's a cliche, but you, you couldn't kick a ball any better no uh, and the possible. thing with Aaron's well is being manager of the Welsh under 21s is a real poison chalice because you're not judged on your results you're judged on the players you create and because we're a small country small player base if you are good enough you are old enough and so you are you end up playing for the seniors so Gareth Bale you know he he, he zipped through the 21s I think he played four yeah. times for the, the under 21s at one stage, we went for five years without a win. I mean, in the in the eighties, when the FAW was skint, we didn't have an under twenty ones team. So Brian Flynn, I mean, he had a tremendously difficult job, and he saved Welsh football. Really, I don't think you, I think you can say that quite categorically. What Brian Flynn did for Welsh football is enormous, and he deserves a statue. But Aaron, Aaron was 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 one of the two who we who we were so excited about, and and then obviously he broke his leg. And it, I mean, he didn't just break his leg; it was a a, was, a horror yeah. break. And I remember I was watching Sky Sports News, and the news came through that he'd done it. And I just remember sitting there with with my flatmate Rodri, actually, who'd gone to school with Aaron, and we just this sinking feeling. So you think, not him, 
not now, because he was 19. Yeah. And he just thought, fuck. I mean, when I saw it, The Observer printed a horrendous photo of the extent of the break, and you just thought, Christ, I mean, he's a, he's a, a, young, you know, he's a young kid. I mean, he's a young boy, and that's happened to him. 20 years earlier, mate, he wouldn't have played it. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So then he comes back, and then it, it took a little bit of time for him to get back to his best, at which point, because football fans are twats, you've got, you know, oh, he's lost, he's lost his bottle, he's lost his bottle. What do you know about bottle? He's, his foot was hanging yeah. off in his sock, you daft twat. What do you know about bottle? Go on, Yeah. <laughs> Um, Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> and the thing with Aaron is that he is injury prone and he has missed a lot of games. You know, he's talked about this quite recently, actually. I mean, since Euro 2016, there was a, it was in one of the friendlies. I think it might have been the, the, the Albania friendly. Sky put up a stat, 42 games since Euro 2016, and he'd played, you know, 19 of them or something. 37%, I think it was. And also, when... And Gareth is like this, and I think a lot of the top-class attacking players are like this. When you come back from an injury and a nickel, and even played maybe for a month, it does take you a little bit of time to get back up to speed, to get back to as good as yeah. you know you could be capable of. Ramsey's missed a lot of games for Juve, and then he and he you know he almost entirely missed the qualifying and the Nations League. Now yeah. I'll come to that in a second, but the thing with Rambo. He is a big game player. He's also very, very good when he's got something to prove. So Joe Ledley and Dave Edwards were with me last night and they said that when it comes to the really big games, you know, the quarterfinals against Belgium, etc., the players who might be at championship level, they are thinking to themselves, right, I do exactly what Coleman has told me or I do exactly what Page has told me. I am technically good. I don't fuck up. I do my job. But Gareth yeah. and Aaron, they are thinking, right, this is the big stage. I'm, I'm going to make a difference here. And that's the difference. And in terms of qualifying, he'd missed pretty much all of that campaign with through injury. We had to beat Hungary at home. And it was the Aaron Ramsey show. He scored both goals and he was fantastic that night. Yeah, he was. We, need, yeah. we needed something last night because we'd drawn against Switzerland. And he, and you know what? We saw flashes of it against France in that friendly. We saw flashes of it against Albania in the friendly. But it's all about him getting minutes. I even think Switzerland was about him getting minutes. Once he gets some minutes under his belt, that's when you see the real Anne Ramsey. And the real Anne Ramsey at his best is some footballer. The Switzerland thing, Al, just briefly, like I thought we ended up performing in Switzerland and I, I, was, I was a bit of a nace after that. And I, you know, and I was wrong. But when you listen to the players talk about that, yeah, they knew that they weren't at the top of their game. They knew that there was a lot left in the tank. It was refreshingly honest to listen to them talk about the Switzerland game before before yesterday's game. Because I think, you know, they're very well aware of, of, of how good they are and what they can do and how good their mates are. It would not like Gareth Bale suddenly didn't, it wasn't a good footballer. <laughs> right? that's, because that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like else says about minutes, it's about, you know, how, how, how many games has Bale played in the last yeah. 24 yeah, months? Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? So I think an interesting, I don't, what, what will happen with Rob Page now? We well, don't the know, court do case He's, with Ryan is in charge. They seem to really like they do him. Like, they, he was at the 21s, wasn't he? You know, a lot of the younger players will know him through that. So, I don't know. I mean, his if bloody hell, if you look at his win ratio since he took over, it's tremendous. Where's he going to go to manage? Like, I think it's when Coleman left Wales to go and manage club football. Right? Yeah. Where are you going to go as a club? You know, you're not, you're not going to get one of the top six or eight no. managerial spots, right? Oh, gosh, no. Where are you going to have a chance? If you love football, and he's younger than me, he's 46 years of age, I think, Rob. Okay. 
where are you going to get a chance to manage that group of players? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not, it's not, it's not going to happen in a club. And, you know, Coleman went to Sunderland and he got paid far more at Sunderland than he would have got paid at Wales. Mm. Far more. But, you know, it didn't work out for him at Sunderland. And I bet you he misses international management. I bet he does. Yeah, and the thing, the thing is, I actually hate saying this, but, you know, when Bale and Ramsey retire, we, we, we've been so lucky to have those two. Also, it means so much to them. Like, when he scored that first goal, That's the thing, he looked it? absolutely elated. You play for Juventus, you have played for Arsenal. Yeah, scored the win in two FA Cup finals. You've played for your hometown club already as well. All all of those things should lead to this becoming commonplace. You've scored plenty of international goals, but he's still got that thing that you see with your kids on a Saturday morning when they score a goal of, they want to score a goal for Wales in the Euros. They they they? also, this team, in the Champions League era, if you read footballers' autobiographies in the 50s and 60s, they always say, oh, playing international football was the, was the pinnacle. And I, to be honest, I, mm. I think for a lot of players, it isn't the pinnacle anymore. But I think no. it is for these boys. I, I honestly think that. I think the Welsh boys, I think a lot of the England boys have got it now, which they didn't used yeah. to have, in my opinion. I think that squad's definitely got it. Scotland lot have definitely got it. Well, Joe Ledley and Edwards said yesterday, Dave Edwards said, the kind of country we are really helps Wales. Because they, they both said, you know, you look at the pressure, England, for example... Even mm. Scotland, I think, to an extent, with their media, yeah. they are under vast pressure to succeed. We, we're just glad they're there because you cannot. I, I off the top of my head, I can think of eight games where had we won, we'd have qualified, and we we fucked it up every time. So when that's when when you've got the, that weight, that baggage, that albatross around you, just to be there is enough. And so we're proud of them, regardless, really, because I think we're also quite realistic because you've got. Gareth Bale, who's on loan at Tottenham from Real Madrid, was at one stage the world's most expensive footballer, <laughs> crossing the ball into Kiefer Moore, who used to play for Truro City. <laughs> Dorchester has supplemented his income by being a lifeguard. So, you know, I think Kiefer's a very good player, but you've got to be realistic. But look what Kiefer's done now, though. Look how, look how yeah. well he's playing. Well, I, I think he's, he's, I read an interview with him and he, or a, a, it was a profile of him and his manager at Truro texted him after he'd scored the goal against Finland straight after the... after the <laughs> Straight after full time. And he got, he got a text back 20 minutes saying, oh, thanks, that means a lot. <laughs> he was playing for Truro City and Torquay got let... Didn't he get let go by Yeovil? But how much of football is chances and, and makes yes. the most of it an opportunity? Yeah. And, and it's, it, it, you always talk about fine margins. He's now in a, in a team, put a lot of faith in him. Yeah. Playing with great players, yeah, with very loyal fan base and in a major tournament, and he's he's right yeah. into it, isn't he? Yeah, and and the thing with Aaron as well, if he was English, of course he'd have had lots of caps, but his injury problems means that he certainly wouldn't be undroppable. Yeah, and if he had a manager who did rate him, you'd have Adrian Durham on Talksport going, you know, that one should be undroppable. But he, if he's fit, he plays with Wales. Basically, that's that's the long and the short of it. Even at club level, because I think, you know, Danny Gabaldon speaks so articulately about this. They're like resources. They need management to get them back up to the best because you can't just click your fingers and score that mm. goal like Gareth did in the Copa del Rey final or the one he scored against Iceland. You you, you, know, you build up to that and it's because they're, they're finely oiled machines. And Aaron is in the same boat. Dennis Burkamp was like this. 
we will give him those minutes with Wales. And I, I think as a fan base, we will be supportive of him when he's a bit off colour when he's come back from injury. Because you know that when it matters and when it counts, he performs. He was in the team of the tournament at Euro 2016 and deservedly so. He was absolutely wonderful five years ago. Yeah. And I've got a feeling we're going to get a big tournament off him again this time around. Mentioned injury prone at the top, talking about him. And then you mentioned the race car analogy there, right? The players that are that fast and that skillful that change direction that quickly, right? They're injury prone because that's the way they yeah. play. You don't, if you don't play at his speed with his change of direction, mm. with the way that he turns his body, you don't get those injuries. Yes. So, and that's the trade-off. So sometimes, you know, it's, like I said, the reason a Formula One car is is so fast, but you change the tyres twice a race, and yeah. you know, it, it, everything's on the edge yes. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So he is injury prone, but I'll I'll take him. You you when you got a talent like that. You give them whatever they need, and you give them all the time they need. You give them all the support they need. Because he's got his own medical team with him. He has, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, out there, who are working alongside the Welsh medical team. Gareth's done that in the past as well. They, they, they'll, yeah. they'll know his body, and they'll know what he's capable of, and when he needs a rest. You know, who knows what the legacy of that leg break was? Whether it caused little imbalances and overcompensations and sure. whatever. Who knows? I mean, I, I honestly don't think an injury has upset me that much ever. And what is he? I think Aaron's 30 and Bale is 32 in a couple of weeks' time in July, I think. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're nearing possibly the end of their international careers. I'd love to think that there's an awful lot more football left in those two, but you don't know. You, you do know that Gareth said that he's decided what he's going to do after this tournament and that what it, what it is will cause chaos. <laughs> so, <laughs> fuck knows what that means. Who knows? But um, we just need to appreciate those two while we have them because it's the fact that they play like supporters on the pitch. Even this goal that you've picked now was from a 21 squad where they wanted to play. They A lot of those yeah. lads were in the senior squad already. Yeah. So Simon Church, Aaron, they were all Oops, around the senior squad. Uh, who else? Jack Collison. Yeah. So they were sort of allowed to drop down because they wanted to play in this, because they wanted to qualify for a tournament. Yeah, yeah. The fact that Aaron never mentions his leg break says a no, lot about the character true. of the man, Yeah, I think. Unless it's brought up with him, he'll never refer back to that and go, look, you know, there was a two-year period of my career where, you know, I was on loan at Forest, on loan again at Cardiff, before I managed to even get back to Arsenal whenever it started slagging me off. Imagine, Imagine him on loan at he was back. He's got think now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he's back at Cardiff. I think Bellamy was there at the time as well. Got a lone player boss, who is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, we'll take him. What have we got? A month? Top, excellent. <laughs> Top dealing. <laughs> Thanks, boss. That's great. Yeah. Nice one. Turn Thanks up. a lot. You just earned a Christmas bonus. <laughs> right, my clip for round number one is uh, my cousin sent me this one. We were talking about motorsports and how we haven't done much motorsports oh, on the pod. Nuts, this. And my uncle's really into his rally driving. So my cousin sent me this one over, and this is just an in-car camera of Colin McRae with Nicky Grist alongside him as his co-driver, talking him through the moves. 70. Six left and six right. And six right over crest, 30. Long six left. Into six right opens over crest, 50. Six right into six right. Fifty. Six right opens very long. Into clear long crest and slow five right. Slippy exit. It's 
simultaneously beautiful and petrifying to watch. Because oh, yeah. I think the first comment, what's the first comment on the YouTube thing underneath it? The whole video just looked like a massive ca- uh, car crash that somehow never happened. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> summed up. It's amazing. It's absolutely... How, how can you do those turns? How can you listen to the co-driver telling you about the next turn while you're doing that turn and not go, I know! I know which way I'm going! How do you practice? How do you try that for the first time at 70 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour? Obviously, I've seen a lot of rally driving in the past. And I know how to navigate this or code, code co-drivers, these days. Yeah, co-drivers' yeah. job is. Yeah, I've never heard it like that in in real time. It's mad. How how when you got Colin McRae driving the wheels or something on the on the edge of a mountain, right? <laughs> how do you stay that calm? Uh, yes. I couldn't believe he's going to shoot away before they're going uh, straight through. Uh, it's uh, a long no, one. Don't cut the corner. Uh, it's a long, long, long uh, uh, six and twelve. And then you see his voice would like shake because of the, yeah. the terrain yeah. they're going over. Yeah. It's got to be the most high-pressure oh. supporting role in sport, then. You God, can't num- let any sort of... Number seven left. Right, you know. right, 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 right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh fuck. Fucking oh, slow down. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No. Okay. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, Colin, stop fucking about. <laughs> oh, fuck off, Colin. The amount of, s- the amount of skill on display <laughs> oh, is just uh, mind-boggling. And talk about skill under pressure. Different My God. And how mad a rally uh, crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I think that every time I watch a rally, I think, what? there's a, one person there. I think, you're going to get killed. What are you doing I think there? it's mad slash thick. I think it's deeply thick. Watch it on the TV. <laughs> oh, it must be amazing. I mean, I've watched MotoGP live, and it is brilliant. And yeah. Live. You've got runoffs and crash barriers, and you're on a bank, and you're miles away, right? Yeah. You're not stood with your back to a tree. Yeah. <laughs> st- st- <laughs> stood next to a pulse box. Was well, like skids past you at 120 miles an hour, <laughs> and it's very, it's very like, it's very rural and British. Like you, you stood next to a telegram telegraph pole, sort of, with a yeah. bag of sandwiches. It's <laughs> calling sandwiches and a flask. Just crazy zips past you. A lot of the best rallyings in Wales. I've never seen a live rally. No, I've never been to it, but. It always looks fantastic. For the the impending death reason we just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been to it due to being scared. It's like when you watch the TT. I'd love to go to TT. Yeah. I would love to see TT live. But the best places to watch it, by definition, are going to be the most dangerous places to stand. Yeah. You can't can't get there anyway because there's already hundreds of lunatics in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Hundreds of lunatics who stood there. That's my spot. Oh, I always God. like the fact that they are recognisable car models. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always used to like about it. Extremely it? souped up, mine. Oh, yeah, but it's a Ford Focus. Yeah. yeah. It's like, ah, that's hilarious. Extensibly. Yeah. You, you, you <laughs> could do the school run in it, but you it turn looks like heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Colin McRae's Skoda Fabia, <laughs> turning up on the school run. <laughs> it's a real test of driving, that rally driving, though. Because I love the fact that you're trying to race the wheels off it, and it's all on times. You know, it's not about overtaking. It's not about, you know, it is just A to B, as fast as you can possibly go. Yeah. Off you go. With that added peril that there are huge dropaways and trees and telephone boxes and stone walls and <laughs> people <laughs> with, a, with a, no idea what a risk assessment is. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, he was. A, he, I I don't know enough about rallying to talk about it in any great depth, right? But I, no. but he, he's one of those blokes 
that became bigger than the sport. When you when you're on when you got your own PlayStation games where people know the name of it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is to have the computer game named after you. Yeah. I remember interviewing Nicky Grist once and he said that whenever he goes anywhere in America, because he's the co-driver on the computer game, on he's the, the game, co-driver yeah. as oh, well. Of course, yeah, yeah. So whenever he goes anywhere in America and you t- you know, you go out to ten restaurants in a week, two people will go, You fell off Colin McRae. We all drive, right? This bears no resemblance to driving, does it? Well, it bears more resemblance than Formula One driving does. Mm, yeah, maybe. You know, I, I wouldn't know how to start a Formula One car. I could start Colin McRae's car. And I could drive to Sainsbury's in it, but I would be adhering to all of the uh, highway yeah. code. Yeah. <laughs> you would have Nicky Griff next to you. <laughs> no. Also, third left after the lights. Third left after the lights. Because he's Nicky, Nicky Grist, and it's spelt Grist, but to me it looks like... Greased as in yes, he greased Christ. as in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nicky Christ! <laughs> Nicky Christ! Nicky Christ. <laughs> my, I think I said before, my cousin's son, um, Christopher, he was, I think he was a co-driver in rallies. Loved it. It must be terrifying. I mean, it's like when I've never, apart from when I was doing my, my riding lessons, I've never gone on the back of a motorbike. I've, I've ridden a motorbike. I refuse to go on the back of one. Really? Because I don't want to give that control it to somebody else it, it'd be it, i'd be too scared to be on the back of a bike are you a good passenger in a car i'm all right um yeah i try not to get too involved um <laughs> it's literally your role is to not be too involved yeah no but, you know if, i mean if it, if it is bad i will say yeah because <laughs> yeah. you guys must have had to have shared lifts quite a lot most comics don't drive i can, I, can, I think i told you this i came back with a gig once with our friend ben partridge who was a nervous driver Okay, a nervous driver. Well, he said, he, he scored, at the, the time, uh, we couldn't we couldn't be less alike, better alike. Yeah. Cool. Okay. London School of Economics, uh, glasses, very well read, quite posh. Yeah. You know, very bright comic mind, but, you know, nothing like me. <laughs> so we did a gig up in, and I'd driven a couple of times, so Ben said, I'll drive. So he had, he had his mum's Deo Matiz. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he had a gig in North Wales. Yeah. So we gigged up in North Wales. We were coming back the next day, uh, and it was snowing quite badly. I thought, should we stay here for? But you know, you skint when you start doing comedy, and it would have been another night in a hotel. We we'll have to get back. Come on. So Ben was driving nervously, and lot, there's no big A roads in that part of North Wales, and you're trying to come back home. It's all sort of B roads and lanes. <laughs> we end up going on this tiny little track of a road, and in front of us is a snowplow, right? Ben, in what can only be described as a dick move, <laughs> overtakes the snowplow. <laughs> and I did just say, what are you doing? As we, as we went past it, right? Yeah. So um, we, go, we go to, we go into this bend. I just, I just went to him. I said, hold on tight. You, you're going to crash, right? I could see the way the bend was opening up. So I sort of braced myself. Ben's grabbing the wheel, and then he just started skidding. We did like a seven twenty, like span round twice. Yeah, ended up in the soft verge. And he was, he said, "How did you know that was going to happen?" So I could just tell the speed we were going and the angle and the way the road was. You were going to crash the car. So, you know, I said it didn't help the fact that you overtook the snowplow. To be honest, <laughs> the snowplow's out for a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if I, if you take nothing from this podcast, don't overtake snowplows. <laughs> Never overtake a snowplow. <laughs> Yeah, but I was, yeah, it, that was weird to, to feel. I, I mentioned on here before, I, I was in a really bad, nasty 
blizzard coming from Toronto to Montreal 15, mm. 20 years ago. And I was, wasn't driving. My girlfriend at the time was driving, and I felt helpless. And it was, it's a horrible feeling. When, you, when you're in a really treacherous, treacherous situation, and there were like burnt-out cars and people died, and it was, all, it was very scary. And I wasn't driving. It's the same reason you don't, people don't like flying. You've got no control. So if you're sat there in Colin McRae's passenger seat, just ultimate faith in him, thinking, you know, if he if he cocks this up, we're both going to die. <laughs> yeah. Quite an odd job to go into, isn't it? They love it, though, don't they? You've got, you've got, there's not even big money in rally. It's not like this huge money. I mean, for Colin McRae, there would be, and, you know, some of the Finnish boys or whatever, but on the whole, it's not, it's not that well paid compared to a lot of other motorsports. Dom, I think you just love driving that fast, don't you? Yeah. You just love but it. But you're not even driving that fast. You're in the car whilst your mate is driving that fast. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why how, it's like being a cox. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy. Cox and not it, a rower. Yeah, if your fucking rowing boat had a massive roll, roll, Rolls Royce engine at 140 <laughs> miles an hour. You'd be petrified while Redgrave and Pinsent are pulling you through. Be, yeah. <laughs> your whitewater rafting cox with a motor. <laughs> And you're sat on the side going, <laughs> big rocks on the right. <laughs> rapids, rapids, rapids. Uh, yeah. He just say, he just sounded so calm. And I remember t- hearing them talk about uh, Schumacher years ago, why why he was so good. And they'd rigged him up to a heart rate monitor when he was doing a test lapse. Okay. And his heart rate's like 72. Just chill. Doing 200 miles an hour, talking to the crew and talking to the to his crew back in the, you know. And just constantly giving them information about the car and the feedback from the... Well, well, I couldn't sleep last night because Surprise. I kept thinking of Aaron Ramsey's smile. <laughs> and my heart was racing at well over 100 beats per minute. Dick yeah. like a flagpole. <laughs> Ramsey's brilliant. handsome, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's a very handsome bloke. It's OK, Al. What you were feeling is OK, Al. <laughs> what happened in your pyjamas is OK, This is not, is this okay, is not a judgmental type of podcast. It's OK. It's, it's a safe okay. place. It's a, it's a safe zone to chat about You're amongst friends. Come on. <laughs> Izzy doesn't listen to it. Yeah, that's no. the bonus. Yeah. She's, no, she's got no interest. I'll have to tell her this in my own time. <laughs> Pick a good moment, isn't it? You know how I like football. <laughs> I really like football. <laughs> She she was tweeting about rocket lollies last night too, and I just replied, "I said you've you've got to get into football." It's brilliant. I'll, hang on, I'll 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 read the little text conversation we had. Does she not like it at all? Does she? she She's just not, she, not remotely interested. Just doesn't. Not remotely interested, and almost doesn't understand it. I I you could tell me about um, astrophysics again and again and again, and it won't stick yeah. in my head. And that is what she's like. Congrats. I am feeling complete euphoria. That's good. Was it a tense game? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Was it a tense game? Yes, we were much better than them, but they kept missing chances. Bill missed a penalty. God. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Good or bad? I'll follow this bad. in a pointless conversation. I want you to remain on cloud nine. Oh, that's nice. Supportive. Oh, dear. Next Sunday, can I do a book of it? Yeah, and then it just becomes very administrative. I remember after we beat Russia 3-0 at the Euros and we qualified for the last 16. Yeah. Uh, she sent me a text that was just, it was about 40 champagne cork popping emojis. Yeah. Someone must have told her we'd won. Oh, that's I immediately nice, called her up and said, well, did you watch it? She went, no. No. I kept my old Nokia phone from when I was uh, pursuing, in, in a romantic way, Kevin. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, it was nothing. Not in a. No, you know, I think just, you should call the police, Kelly, kind of because, way. You know, it was the days of texting. It was just text, text, text back and forth all the time. Yeah. I kept those. And they were. And it was, it's quite an interesting document from, God, 20 years ago now to see that relationship blossom through text, right? So I kept, I've kept the old phones. That's nice. And I've been married now for 14 years. Yeah. I've just gone through the text. This made me. Rem- rem- Al talking then about Izzy. Where's it? Where's this good? Um, so the, the, my last few texts. Do we own a cast iron bake stone? <laughs> I thought we did. Is this you or her? Uh, Ke- Ke- Kelly, yeah. Okay, this is about okay. Yeah. M- me, me, yes, we have an iron bake stone. It was handmade in Merthyrvale Colliery. Okay, <laughs> nothing, nothing else. Nothing. No, there was no reply to that. I mean, you can't do that <laughs> um, and then got my life fucking tedious. Go on. Made me Ellie and my mum pizza, but not very big. Enough left for Ben, but you need to get something for you. Kiss. <laughs> if you're walking back from Tesco, can you get me a bottle of pink gin, Blossom Hill? It's a present for Susie, but they won't let me buy it in the morning. That's it. I mean, that's my life. It's just fucking yeah. functional. Just functional bollocks. This is one of my, my longest texts to, to Kelly in recent memory. Yeah. Scaracha sauce in various flavours. <laughs> frozen stir-fry. Tin boneless mackerel. Nice peanut butter, preferably with seeds, brown sugar, roasted and salted pistachios or cashews, dates, barocca or the Azure equivalent, fabric conditioner, tooth harps. Thank you. Kiss. The kiss is pointless these days, isn't it? It's just... In that text, it is pointless, I would just say. just punctuation. Do you know where her Perspex folder of music is for drama? She took it to Carmarthen. Her suit is probably not there, then I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> That sounds really passive-aggressive, that one does. Okay. From both ends. (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Uh, I thought you might be free as I saw some Twitter movement. Um, The oven cleaner man has arrived. Do I need to pay him? I saw some... Kiss. You're not responding to me. You are on social media. (laughs) I saw some Twitter movement. Kiss. Oh, my God. What happened? eh? Oh, that is funny. I need Ellie's height in feet and inches. <laughs> if you have a chance, kiss. Me, four foot six. She's grown over an inch since November, smiley face. She's the average height of a ten-year-old. You fucking... That's me. I'm boring myself. Jesus. Send her a lively text now. What should I send her a text? Oh, I'll send her a text right now. Send her a lively one now. What should I send? What should I send? What should I send? Oh, what should I, send um, I don't know. Do you mind if I start you at were. 7 or 8.15 on that morn? And then again, do you mind if I start at 7 or 8.15 on that one? <laughs> Whatever's easiest for you. Good. What about Go Ape on Sunday, if pass? Question mark. Oh, I've just texted it. I just thought I'd mention that I love you. Oh, I see. There you go. I'll see what happens now. That's nice. What have you done? Is going to be your text back? Usually it is, yeah. Yeah. Why, why, she said, why, why are you being nice to me? That's why she says to me as well sometimes. <laughs> why are you if, being if, nice if to I me? If I give her a kiss or something, I say, <laughs> you look nice. Why are you being nice to me for? I'm just saying, I'm always nice to you. I'm just saying nice things. I'm nice. What do you think about me going to Anne's on Sat night instead of Fry? Shall I book Sainsbury's for Sun Morn? That's fine by me. Better, in fact. <laughs> Either put the chicken in at 4.30 or we'll have a Domino's tonight and the chicken tomorrow kiss. Kiss. You wouldn't kiss me in that situation, would you? No. You wouldn't. If that was face-to-face, I'm no. not going to kiss exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or a Domino's. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> no. the, have the chicken tomorrow, treat. Mm. tomorrow. <laughs> It's not the appropriate punctuation, is it? Tina from the charity shop just said she's 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 out of mind until two p.m. If you want to if you want to pick the stuff up in the hall and run it around, 
<laughs> don't take the kayak. There's sister left the kayak in the house. Don't take the kayak. You walking up the road with a kayak to mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We've dispensed with the Kistner. It's just purely administrative and texting. I'll just take a kiss at the end, just for old time's sake. <laughs> no. No? A memory refresher. She hasn't even come back to me with this one, the I Love You one. <laughs> not, not another sausage. If, if it comes back to me, well, I'll let Yeah, I'll keep, keep, keep us updated on. But I, I'm not hopeful. Right, let's do this week's documentary. We're going through this good. This oh is this is good. We're on God. time, I think. We're doing all right. This doc is fantastic. It is amazing. It is Ellis's choice. This is Different League, the Derry City story. The club became a casualty of the conflict when a group of masked youths took away and burnt the team bus of Ballymena United. The football club was exiled. In 1972, Derry City went out of business. Inventions, these coffee machines. Tony was an international footballer and one of the ex-players who became known as the Gang of Four. That's Tony on the left, alongside the rest of the gang. They made it their mission to get professional football back. There was Eddie, who used to play in goal for Derry City. Eamon, who had a good stint at Sunderland. And Terry, who scored a few times for Northern Ireland alongside George Best. Terry's idea was that if Derry City wasn't welcome in the Northern Irish League, then why couldn't they apply to join the league in the Republic of Ireland? Well, the single biggest issue, uh, quite bluntly, was the border. This pushes all of the distant port buttons. Poor old Derry City. Um weren't allowed to play in the Northern Irish League. In a move that was seen as revolutionary at the time, they decided to leave the Northern Irish FA and apply to join the league in the Republic of Ireland, mm. which is problematic for various reasons, mainly the fact that Derry, which is Northern Ireland's second city, is overwhelmingly Catholic, uh, and Northern Ireland you know, is largely Protestant. This is at the height of the Troubles, so Derry was a real f- flashpoint. You know, Bloody Sunday happened in Derry in 1972. So it was significant was they had to cross the border there, to cross the border to play football if they were allowed. So the Northern Irish FA had to sanction it, the Republic of Ireland FA had to allow it, and FIFA had to sanction it. So it was administratively very difficult. And there was no football at all in Derry, which is a football city, is a football mad city for 12 years. So the ground had become ramshackle and derelict. And it was four men, four ex-players, I think, known as the Gang of Four, who thought, mm. right, this is this is nuts, this can't carry on, so why do we go south, try and play in Ireland? And they ended up winning the treble, didn't they? Because the people of Derry wanted something to be proud of and wanted something to cheer, even though they had to start at the bottom of the Irish pyramid, they were hugely, enormously well-supported. So at one stage, they play a, a quarter-final quarter in the Irish FA Cup in Cork, and they took 19,000 fans Jesus. with them. 
And there's no easy roads down to Which is just extraordinary. Ten-hour drive. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's such a complicated thing, the, the, the troubles in Northern Ireland. But the border was to totemic, hugely symbolic. And so just crossing the border was, was bad enough. You know, but the fact that they had to had to continue to do this just so they could they could have a football team. It's a very, very heartwarming. Well, when there was no football there for twelve years, mm. I, I absolutely loved loved this documentary. Um but everything about it, mate, I mean, bloody hell. It's it's it was such a feel good hour. And we talk about this all the time on the pod, but what sport means to people. What it did for that community yeah. is 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 just incredible. There was a there's, we'll talk about loads of bits of it, but the bit when they bring um, the South African Tagama over yes. from South Africa, yeah, I love that. So he's leaving peak apartheid South Africa when it was all kicking off in the early early mid eighties, and he's coming to Northern Ireland when the troubles are, are raging. Margaret Thatcher's prime minister, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, he's come from segregation because of his colour, and he's entering somewhere else where there's segregation. He says to that bloke there. He says. Um, are there going to be any racial problems here? He said, I met from the airport. He said, we can promise you every other sort of problem, but you, you won't have any racial problems. <laughs> and, they, and they loved him because he, he knew, you know, he fitted right in there. They, they absolutely loved that Dagama. Mm. It was good, really good footballer by yeah. that level. It's segregation of a different kind. They said, they said right at the top of that documentary, the way they split the city into three wards. Yes. The Catholic ward, which was more than double the population of the other two wards put together, but had less votes. So the town council yeah. was always run by a Protestant town council. Yeah. So the Catholics got a show. And they show some of those living like corrugated, oh. like garages. Like prefabs, yeah. 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 I tell you what, the woman narrating it, there was something of the Lord of the Rings about it, the way she spoke. I know she what you mean. a beautiful voice. It was magical the way she spoke sometimes. At the end of it, that shot at the end, when they put the drone shot up and she's talking about it, but talking about Derry the city. Yeah. Oh, God, I had goose pimples. It was amazing. I think it's funny because obviously we're all from mainland UK, if you like. We're not from, we never lived in Ireland, never lived in Northern Ireland. Hmm. And I think it's really easy to not realise how how much of a major civil war that was to live in. It would have in every part of your life would have been influenced by it. I think Derry Girls does a very good job actually of humanising it. You know, when they they've got squaddies on the school bus and stuff. Mm. And they're taking well, the, the one bit there, when you when you see when we're all dads, right? When there were the kids there, and it was yeah. it was old footage, and they're like they're playing games where they pat each other down for weapons, or yeah. Were they yeah yeah. You think, oh my god, because that was their reality. That was they saw that every day. Yeah, but I I can't think of a city or a town that's overwhelmingly supported and got behind his football team in the same way, and not just the men as well. Bearing in mind it was the eighties, at one stage, one of them says. You know, thirty percent of our crowd was. We had stuff, girls, we had you know t- teenage girls, women coming down to support the side because it was a chance to not live in a war zone for ninety minutes. Mm. Yeah, and and also because of because of dairy and and you know the issues surrounding the town with you know the RUC and the IRA and all all of the all of the all of the complicating factors that made living in dairy very difficult. It meant that most people didn't leave dairy. Yeah. So you tended to just stay in Derry, apart from mm. away games, when it must have been such a breath of fresh air to get out of to get out of your city yeah. and go oh, and support that bus your club. trip when they're playing they're playing instruments and they're having a sing song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic! Just want to be on the bus. 
there's so many amazing bits in this. Like they say when they're going to play Benfica, <laughs> Benfica on what would have been like you know, like a like a patch of dirt with some old terraces at the start. Now they yeah. they brought football back and now they've won the league. So now they're in the Champions League. So now they're playing Benfica at home in Derry, right? With Sven Jorn Eriksson as, as the manager. Right? And the bloke there saying, 11 o'clock, I'm having a cup of coffee, everything's great. One minute past 11, we're told there's a bomb. Yeah. Right? It's in the middle of, middle of the troubles. Yeah. But Martin McGuinness, as well as being a lifelong Terry City fan and football nut, happens to be second in charge of the IRA, right? So he goes up to where the bomb is and throws it down a manhole. Yeah. It's just like a £100 bomb that he found. And- can you imagine if they'd bombed the Brandywell, the football ground, when Benfica oh were there? Oh. You know, it would have it would have been up there with the Brighton bombing, I think, in terms of what the significance of that to the troubles at the yeah. time. I love the the voices in that, the characters. You know, the the supporters, the play, the ex players, the gang of four blokes who were still around. Yeah, I, I just I've mentioned it before. I've only been to Belfast once, and obviously we're going. I can't wait to go again, right? Yeah, the Northern Irish people. I love. I mean that. They sound great. They've yes. all got a bit about them. They've all got a little twinkle in there, right? Yeah. The, the one old fellow there with, with the big sort of David Crosby white uh, sort of walrus moustache. Yeah. Who starts filling up again thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, oh he's is, beautiful, is, isn't he? This is super. Oh, he was. Am- and then there was the fella. So they call it. Obviously, there's a lot of similarities between the Welsh and the Irish and the Northern Irish. So if you couldn't afford a ticket, you watch the game from the cemetery. They call it Skint Hill. I love that. We watch a game from Skint Hill. Right? And the fellas there saying this was, the, this was the best place to watch the game. And um, it was strange because you had, what did he say? After paraphrase, and it won't be anywhere near as beautiful as when he said it. This big, gruff looking Northern Irishman with a, with a t shirt on and a pair of jeans said, um, There was death underneath you. Because you're in a cemetery, so yeah, yeah. in front of you is life in, in all its yeah, richness yeah. and all its glory. I thought, Oh my God, mate, this is like Port Laureate. This is amazing. And it, it also shows. And then, then they tried planted trees near the bastard. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and it also it also shows what a can, what a team can do when it's immensely supported by yeah. its fan base. So they they haven't they well, haven't they had loved f- it, didn't they? But they haven't had football in Derry for twelve years. So there is no team. So ex players is I decide to resurrect the team and invite Shamrock Rovers, who'd won the league four years running in the Republic, yeah. the Republic's best team, to Derry for a friendly an exhibition match. Basically, to prove to everyone who needed it, who needed this proof, that there was a thirst and a hunger for football in Derry. Yeah. So Shamrock Rovers, who've won the league four times running and have also won the the double a couple of times as well, who are Ireland's best team, turn up, and they've effectively got to pluck players from what would be yeah. a Derry Sunday League, and then they they end up they end up drawing one all. Yeah. Which shouldn't really happen. What an afternoon that would be. What an afternoon. So then they've got 4,000 quid in the coffers from uh, the gate receipts and proof that there's this you know, huge desire for football in the city. So they can take that. They can take the, the big attendance because the Brandywell sells out and they can take this big attendance and show the authorities that, that it's on or that it could happen if they're allowed Even the in. Brandywell sounds like Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great crowd. There's some good limbs, good scenes in this, uh, yeah. in this documentary. How much did you like... Felix, mate, I just wanted to get his name right as you were talking. Felix, Felix Healy. There's the one bit as soon, as, as, like, as soon as he comes on screen. When you, when you watch this, you'll just go, Mike loves this man oh, straight yeah, away. Because <laughs> he's a good looking fella now, but there's that they show a photograph of him with those four good looking yeah. young ladies in a black and white photograph, and he looks great with that mustache. Good looking bastard. 
And Rob, my mate, who's doing some decorating, was uh, sort of popped his head around the corner to watch a bit of it. I said, watch this doc, mate, you love it. <laughs> and uh, I looked at that photograph and went, Christ, I bet he was doing a bit in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> that, that entire section is basically and that, Rob was like, it? Rob was like, guaranteed. Well, you know, there's that woman there who's just got, there was, there was just something about him. Some, something. Yeah. something. I mean, he's a great footballer as well. You know, he's good, but, uh, yeah, I said, come on, you're not fooling anybody. You're not he, fooling they loved him, didn't they? And he releases that single. Yes. <laughs> gonna win the cup, gonna win the league. <laughs> yeah, that wicked red umbro tracksuit on. <laughs> what a good looking bloke. Good footballer as well. Yeah, he was good. But I didn't realise, I actually did a little bit of Googling after I watched it, that uh, the manager. Uh, two spells at Swansea City, including as a as a manager. Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, and he also scored a he scored a goal in a quarter final for the Swans against Liverpool at Anfield. Oh, wait, wait in the sixties, Jim McLaughlin. Yep. Oh, look it up, mate. Look it up. I didn't know this. That's a, a double Swansea reference. Link. Oh, let's have a look. You are proud of that, aren't you? I've, I, mate, I can't believe I've done this for sixty-four podcasts. I've told Ellis James a Swansea City fact. This has made my. He played day. for the yeah Swansea Town sixty three to sixty seven. Oh. They played for the Swans seventy two to seventy four. I did not know that. There we go. There we go. He scored the win in the FA Cup quarter final at Thank the Cop End at Anfield. Thank you. Wow! In mark that down. In sixty three sixty four, we got to semi final that season. Yeah, lost to Preston. That whole power struggle bit when they bring in two managers, which never works in any sport. No. Does it? No. I love, I love those opening conference, those press conferences when you know they brought someone else in to work alongside the manager and they're going to work as a duo. We think this is on borrowed time from yeah. right now. You are leaving soon. <laughs> one of you is out of a job, yeah. and we'll hate the other one. Yeah, we'll really hate the other one by the end of this. But then, fair play to him to come through that. The bit when they're so powerful. That bit when they're about. He's been interviewed at the time of that the dual manager thing. It's not, and it's all going tits up, and there's, it split the city and it split the fan base and everything else. He basically says, well, I was one of ten kids. My dad died when I was very young. So, you know, you know we, had, we had nothing. We had literally cardboard for shoes. He said, all I've ever had is football. And now I haven't got that anymore. And he started, I'm, I'm crying watching it. He's crying t- yeah. telling us about it. So for him to come back from that and then get the backing of the fans and the backing of the board and then to win the treble, that bit where he's on the balcony and there's the whole of his city where he grew up there. Mm. And it, he is like, I've done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he can't keep his emotions. And I thought... They wouldn't have been a happier person in the world and he right does, then than him. And he does a thing that managers don't usually do when they're in the town hall holding the FA Cup aloft. They, 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 don't, they don't often does this. They don't often do this. He just goes, yeah! <laughs> But I love that. But, but also, do you see the fat dignitary, the other side of him, who's trying to shake hands with him while he's doing it? He's got his hand yeah. held out. Yeah. And he's just completely blanked him three or four times. It's amazing. Oh. And obviously, I was wondering why I I thought maybe he'd passed away because so, he's not in the dock until the very end. And so he's he's obviously living with dementia. He's 80 now. But they show that clip and they show him Felix and he goes, he's a handsome player. He <laughs> but, and he, and he, but he knew all those players, all those yeah, from the yeah. 80s. And he could, he could remember that. They obviously cut then and he talks about growing up and his you know conversation with his mother and stuff, which yeah. is the long-term stuff. But yeah, I just there's nothing not to love about it, you know. It also, if you compare it to some of the documentaries we've watched, where there isn't a happy ending, there is often a sporting happy ending in this. So when they play Benfica, now when you consider the standard of the Irish league, you know the top Irish players, and they produce mm. lots of top players, they they tend to come and play in England. So the Irish league isn't 
of a particularly high standard. They draw Benfica in the European Cup before it's the Champions League when you could, you know, nowadays they'd end up in a pre-qualifying group. But in those days, they'd won the domestic league and so they're in the pot yeah. alongside everyone else. And they play Benfica. They score. It's only 2-1, yeah. It's only 2-1. Yeah. And a decent goal as well. And quite, Imagine that. Quite often, when you think, surely they, they can't, they can't get a win here. No chance. You know, not when there's such disparity amongst the players. But often by virtue of having 20,000 crazy fans in the ground, they just make it happen. So there's there's some real fairy tale football as well, as well as the human interest story of them. How are they doing now? Does anyone know how they're doing in the Irish League these days? They are in the League of Ireland Premier Division. The ground looks like a nice ground now, you know? Didn't yeah. Spent a lot of money on it. But I love the... Uh... The, well, when they go to, to meet the boys down in the Republic to try and talk about getting into their league, yeah, and he said we stayed at the, so we we meet them at the Burlington Hotel. So we'll we'll pull all the stops out. No one wants to meet us in a pub, you know. They won't take us seriously. We'll meet them in the Burlington and they're drinking champagne. And they, they say, well, listen, football in Ireland didn't happen in five star hotels with champagne. It was tin shacks. And it was so even that bit was great. And that's funny enough. That's we stay. I've stayed in the Burlington. That's a cracking hotel. That have you? That was the night when I uh, met the. Uh, Young Irish lady, and I wasn't allowed back in the hotel because we weren't married. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. You know, I was young and impetuous, so it's a lovely hotel, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even need it to have a happy ending. The story, Do you know, it was one of those stories. It was just so beautifully told from start to finish. Yeah, that I think even without the Benfica story in there, which is a lovely round off. But mm. it's just, it's about the people of an area during a really shitty time. Can't imagine that. Just having something, an outlet, that wasn't that shitty time. And we wanted to show the rest of Ireland and the rest of the world that we weren't just about petrol, petrol bombs. bombs. Yeah, that's yes. what they want to say, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They talk about, we loved living in Derry. Yeah. That's our hometown, you know. This is, but it had more than its fair share of trouble, obviously. Yeah. Well, you would, though, wouldn't you? It's your town. Yeah, and it's no your mates, why... it's where you grew up, and it's where your family are from, and of course you're going to love the place. There's no reason why you wouldn't love it. Let's give him two seconds. Give him two seconds. Oh, oh he's, given, he's, taking, he's taking the Henry. Henry. Henry the Hoover's gone out. Henry, is he, Izzy's, Izzy's got Henry. Izzy's got Henry. Did we miss a text then? Where's the, where's the Henry Hoover? Where's the case? Henry kiss? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's, uh, that's, that's can't go my cleaner. Sorry, I'm very embarrassed that we've got a cleaner, but... Well, mate, you're busy. We, I, we I, can't cope. <laughs> I literally cannot cope. <laughs> we can't cope. Are <laughs> you going to say, but we're minted? No, no but I, no, I'm I struggling. If I'm honest, can't cope. I can't do it. <laughs> Hang on. Where's he gone now? I missed that, did I? Uh, he's. I don't know where he's gone now. You was that the chef? Was it? What, what was that? That wasn't your chef or your chauffeur. What, what, where it was the chauffeur arriving that time? No, no. I just, I just had to charge my phone because my oh, phone sorry, was actually very quickly. I get really guilty about we, we have a, a cleaner, but I just haven't got any time at the moment. And the place looks like a bombs it otherwise. Well, the fact is, my my earnings are directly linked to the success of the Welsh national team. <laughs> yeah, so we I, know that. So, so, I, so, I, I, so during the Euros, you got a cleaner. <laughs> The rest of the it's five years since we had a cleaner. For fifty-eight years, this house is an absolute pigsty. <laughs> <laughs> there have been there have been moments where we've thought it might be clean, 
but we've, we've tended to throw it away at the last so second. So close. Yeah. We had the cleanest number a few times. We, we were almost <laughs> clean in 2003, 1993, 1991, 1985, 1977, 1978. And then we Joe were... Joe Jordan. <laughs> we were very clean in 1958. We were technically clean in 1978. <laughs> People don't count it as clean, though. Don't know why. Yeah. If we hadn't been managed badly in the 80s, we'd have been clean a couple of times. <laughs> that is a Welsh thing, though, mate. It is, it is, it is a guilt of... of having anyone do anything for you. Oh, yeah. um, I almost try to... Ne- I try to almost never mention it because I just find oh, it so sorry. embarrassing. <laughs> Why are we talking about the pub yesterday? I was if Steph can remember. Yeah, we, I was going to say, wrong something. person. Oh, yeah, because Kelly had needed a new car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, would you just buy a new car? We, we've never... I'm 49. Kale's 42 or 3, whatever she is. Um, kiss. Uh, she's... <laughs> She's never had a new car. So I said, you've got a really good job. You work your socks off. You work 60 hours a week. I, you know, I work hard. We, we, we don't smoke. We don't drink much. We yeah. don't gamble. We don't do drugs. Yeah. You know, buy a, buy a new car. People think I'm showing off. Yeah. I said, no, yes. you're showing off yes. So she's eventually, she's, she's gone for a new car, but we've had to get the exact, it's like the film, you seen The Jerk with Steve Martin? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. When he makes all the money, then, then builds exactly the same house again. <laughs> We've had to buy the exactly the same, just the new model of exactly the same car, so that no one thinks Kelly's showing off. And because uh, she's used to that car, so she knows that car. I, don't th- I said, no one thinks she's showing off with a Fiat 500 car. <laughs> it's not crocking in tubs. You're, you're not rolling up there in a Tesla Rossa <laughs> and put her espadrilles on for school. Imagine when your teachers turned up in a Ferrari Tesla Rossa. Oh, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I Do a supply. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, right. It is very, very good. It's on the iPlayer. So easy to get a hold of. There's a link on the episode description. Give it a click, give it a watch. And if you don't find Felix sexy, you are wrong. Yeah, you are wrong. Right, this is the bit where the Patreons get some extra stuff. We're hitting schedule here for me, okay? Yeah. Mm. So in my mind now, we we can do this. We can push on through. Okay, mm. it's a little bit of a team talk now. Yeah, for those for those of you who don't pay for the Patreon, you know you haven't got anything to push on through. Yeah, you can yeah. have the team talk, but you won't be one of the second half. Yeah, exactly. You won't you know the, what you that have the, was you're like. The plucky second half comeback. Do you feel we're behind? I don't know. I I, I always think we're behind so until I listen back to the edit, and then it just sounds really good and funny and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say a couple of thanks, by the way, mate. So, oh god. Well, my dad had another package delivered to his house. To Mike Bubbles, I remember Kenneth you saying Bob this. Buggins. Yeah, go on. And we've got more chocolonies, more personalised chocolonies. Oh, oh hello, bar for Steph as well. Hello, hello, In this time, a Purple. big toilet roll with with the papers that attach the outside of it as well. That's what it was delivered. <laughs> That's remarkable. So thank you, mm. secret Patreon fan. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name out of out of, out of, um, oh, out of respect. Yeah. By the way, if you do show a clip and I do reply, if you do share a clip with us and I reply, um. Y K W Y A. Hang on. Y K W Y A. Y A. It just means you know who you are, which means. Oh, thanks okay. For the clip. Thanks for the clip. I probably will use it, but right. I won't mention who you are. Ah, uh, okay. So you've abbreviated yeah. your yeah. own catchphrase. Yeah. Not very easy to remember. No. <laughs> it's like your TTS. I was going to say. That's uh, partridge trays, doesn't he? Come co-op. 
<laughs> and he works out how much time on the series he wasted saying, knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you. Then <laughs> come up, Alan Partridge. No. <laughs> so if you are not on the Patreon, get on the Patreon. Uh, if you want to, and if you have the resources to do that, then yeah. go to patreon.com. Oh, a quick tip of the hat to Garen. Go I will on. mention his name. Yeah. Because he turns out, he, he just realised that he'd been paying uh, tri- triple Patreon. <laughs> Didn't realise until recently. <laughs> so I said, well, listen, mate, get in touch and we'll, we'll give you a little compensatory gift or something. He signed up three times. Uh, and he just said, it's okay, I really enjoy it. Sorry, no, thanks a lot. So thanks, Garen. Thank you. If everyone's like Garen, if everyone paid triple... Kelly could have another non-flash car. <laughs> Keep on buying cars that look exactly the same. So it's patreon.com slash distantpod. Have a look at the levels on there. Um, if you get the top two levels, you get bonus podcast called Mike Lowen's Movie Club, uh, which is us talking about films. Small films, yeah. which is quite good. Sure. I quite enjoy that one. We've got one of those coming up soon as well. You need to look at his sales to Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's quite good. It's quite good. I like it. It's like this, but less it's like, about it's like another, another Mars bar, isn't it? Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. It is. Imagine buying a Twix. Yeah. You only ever had the first, you know. Imagine, right, here we go. Imagine you bought a Twix. You like Twix. You always had a Twix. Yes. Uh, and then one day, someone took the second finger of Twix off you. Yeah. Well, you still got a Twix. Yeah. Half a Twix. Yeah. You know, but now you know what it was like when you had two fingers of Twix. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah. So maybe if you want to pay a pound a week, we'll give you the, we'll give you the finger. <laughs> Twix. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good analogy. That's Thanks. better than my sniffing Mars bars analogy. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. That is a bet. It works for starters. Yeah. Right. Goodbye to those of you who are not patrons. Take your finger and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing so well. It was all, Sorry. It was, I know it's nearly there then. It was going so nicely. But you will, you will have the book review if we ever get to it. If we get to the book review in time before the hour is up, you will have a book review. Right. Okay. Let's. We did. We. We. I think we've done it. We've got to the book. I'm impressed. Woof. Four fifty nine. We got. We've got a minute. Come on, guys. Perfect. Because I haven't read it yet. Um. This is a book. No, but you know what? This this ties together a lot of. Uh, this is. If this is an Edinburgh hour. They love this because a lot of the threads will meet in this book. <laughs> Go on. We talked about danger today. We've talked about uh, motor racing. Um, we've mentioned uh, uh, overcoming obstacles. Yeah. We've even mentioned Haverford West. Yes. So the book I bought in Haverford West two weeks ago in the half term holiday. Yes. The first book I've actually paid money for. <laughs> For over a year. Yes. Right? Um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. So this is my review. This is great so far. It's a review of a, of a book that looks great. It looked good enough on the shelf for me to think. I should buy that. Do you know what? I'm going to spend nine ninety nine on that because it looks brilliant. It's called A Race with Love and Death. Okay. I'm in. The story of Britain's first great Grand Prix driver. I'm in, in. Quote on the front by Nick Mason. One of the greatest motor racing stories. Now I'll read the back cover. I have just started reading it, but... I'll come back to the very start of the, of the blur okay. at the end. Okay. Right? The chap here, who for, for now shall remain nameless, mm-hmm. right, was the archetypal dashing English motorsport hero of the 1930s. Amid the growing tensions between Britain and Germany, he chose to race for the world-beating Mercedes-Benz, 
With a beautiful young daughter of the founder of BMW by his side, their wedding would force an enduring rift with, the wealth, with his wealthy family. His divided loyalties were seemingly unresolved at the time of his fatal crash just weeks before the outbreak of war. A race with love and death is a gripping tale of speed, romance and tragedy. Right? So it's about this chap uh, who was, Damon Hill says, a chilling reminder of how little control we have of our fates. Um, brilliant photographs in it. Always go for the photographs when you're buying these sorts of books. Have a look at them. Look amazing. Yeah. Really interesting. The bit that I, that I, I bought it for is because I think he meets the future king in the same week that he meets Hitler. And the, because he's this aristocratic English racing car driver. Yeah. Racing for a German team. And then he died in. I, I'm, I'm not, obviously, I'm, I've only just got into it. He dies in circumstances which, you know, may, maybe there was more to it than meets the eye. We, okay. we don't really know, right? But. Yeah. It sounds really good. This sounds like the kind of book I'd like. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I will. I haven't read a book for a long time. I've been a bit busy, but I'm, I'm going to. I'll read this by next time and let you know what I thought okay. of it. But the only thing that holds me back from this right. is his name, which oh. I mentioned to you before, I think. I think you have. Go on. I want, yeah. Yeah. What is the Alice's? He's dashing. He's dashing. He's an aristocrat. He's, a, he's, a, he's racing for Mercedes Benz. He's got a beautiful uh, German girlfriend. Um, it's just before the war, it's 1938, that he passes away. His name? Hmm. Dick Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire story is now ruined. And that's why I didn't want to open up one for the fact that it's called Dick Seaman. <laughs> 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 it's childish to laugh at a name, I know. But also, what was that? But also... The opening line, Dick Seaman was an archetypal, <laughs> was an archetypal dashing English motorsport hero. It... But the reason I find that funny is that it's so avoidable. He's called Richard. Call him Richard Seaman. Yeah. <laughs> or, or call him Andrew. Richard Seaman. Andrew Richard Seaman, yes. Seaman. Richard Seaman sounds like you're trying not to it think. It does, doesn't it, yeah. <laughs> Richard Seaman. <laughs> you know, call him Simon Seaman. Simon, Simon Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when it's his parents. Sounds like a must... sex education Simon cartoon. Seaman says. <laughs> Simon <laughs> Seaman. <laughs> Simon Seaman says, put your hand in the air. <laughs> but they must have thought, well, you know, your dad's had, your dad's been uh, referred to by lots of nicknames throughout his life because obviously his name is Seaman. Your granddad the same, his, his father for him. There must be a way of... of tr- granddad Spunk. <laughs> there must be a way of trying to minimise this. Granddad Spunky. I like always like the name Richard. Is that shortened to anything? Not to my knowledge. No. Rich. Rich. Rich Seaman. Richie. Richie Seaman. Rich Seaman. Oh god, fucking hell. What? I got a minute. What? What? So this is the opening chapter. What? A Mayfair romance. The couple who would become Dick Seaman's parents. <laughs> Go on. Met on a November evening in nineteen ten. Yeah. At the restaurant of the Savoy Hotel overlooking the Thames by Waterloo Bridge. Yeah. William Seaman. William Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> William Dick Seaman. As he learned nothing. As he learned nothing. Piss off. Willie Seaman's Willie son, Seaman's Dick Seaman. Dick Seaman. <laughs> Please say the anecdotal fact. I've gone through this. You're going to go through it. Willie Seaman. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife was called Lillian. So they were, they were William Lily Seaman. Lily Seaman. <laughs> Lily Seaman. Oh, oh man, that's I mean, amazing. I mean, I, th- I thought that Seaman lobbed from 40 yards was the funniest thing yeah. you could do with that surname. 
but no. Dick Seaman and Willie. <sighs> Dick and Willie. Dick and so what's Willie it called? Seaman. If you want to read about Dick and Willie Seaman. Dick Willie Seaman, Seaman, my life in cars. What's it, what's it called? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, plenty of spunk, as the Americans would say. Don't get that on the leather. Uh, it's called right. a, race, a Race with Love and Death. The story of Britain's first great Grand Prix driver, Richard Seaman. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> Dick Seaman, ever else. This dad, William. Oh, oh, oh my God. That's Brilliant. very good. Anyway. Thank you. That's I'm, I'm reading that now. Brilliant. All right. Tell, <laughs> tell us if there are any more funny names then. If we'll do oh. That. Oh, wow. Right, that is us. Yeah. Our first Enjoy. attempt to cram one into three hours, and we've done it. Th- done it? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Well done, us. It's too much stress. That was quite stressful. Yeah, we're not going to do this every time. But, woof, well done us. Cheers, lads. Goodbye. See you, Steph. Thank you, guys.